Uh, were you intentional with your faith this week with anybody? You don't need to answer me, but I want you to think about that. Were you intentional with your faith with somebody this week? Somebody that needed to hear something that you could offer to them. And it doesn't always just mean witnessing from the scriptures or you know, sharing from a tract. Though it could be those things, but it, it could just be reaching out to those that have a need. Those that are hurting. Those that are looking for answers that we have um, really the solution to. And today we're going to be coming out of two scriptures. The first one is out of Luke or is out of, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 26 through 29, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. And when we look at the scripture, and again, as we've talked about the importance of God's word, where do we see ourselves with God's word? Is it the guiding force in our life? Is it something that we hold near and dear? Is it something that regardless of our feelings or our emotions, even our thoughts that we are willing to say, I want to obey, I want to abide in the word. And it tells us in this passage here, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised. God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. He tells us really this picture of who God wants to use. And sometimes we look and we say, well, the most gifted talker, or maybe the most educated person, or uh, the most successful uh, in business, God wants to use those people. But he really tells us something different here. He says that he doesn't want us to glory in our flesh. Many of us think that we're successful because we've been hard workers or because we've applied ourselves and we sort of glory in who we are but God says that he doesn't want us to glory in our flesh, that we glory in him, in what he has done in our life, the things that he has provided for us, the things that he has allowed us in our life. I wonder how many of us think each day that we are really blessed to have been born in the country where we are. Sure, the world is sort of a mess now with the, with the COVID going on or even in the United States with these riots and different things that are, are going on. We think, well, what a mess. But would you trade what you're in now to have been born in Pakistan or in some village in Africa or up in Greenland? We have blessings. God has allowed us to, to be born. He has placed us where we are at, and we give him the glory for that. And so he tells us that not many mighty or noble are called. But it says God has called the foolish things of this world. Isn't that amazing? We sort of spend our whole life building up a, a, a picture, or putting on a mask or a uniform of being something great. And yet here it says that God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. I learned this many times when I talk with little kids. 
I remember when I used to teach Sunday school and, and I always thought, well, I'm going to teach them something. And I don't think there was a class that I ever left where they hadn't challenged me or taught me something that I didn't know. Sometimes we can just see the acts of kindness. We can see the things that they do and we learn from that. And that's why Paul told Timothy, let no one despise your youth. They put the shame, the why. Sometimes we figure that we got all the answers, we got it all figured out, and we put it in a box and we say, this is the way it is, this is the only way it is. But God says, don't put me in a box. God is at work. When we look at the things of the world today, we can say, the world is out of control, these things are out of control. But God is in control. God isn't creating these things to happen, but God with a word can stop these things. And I believe that these are things as we go through that we learn and grow from in our life. He doesn't use those that are mighty, but it says he uses the base things, the lowly things. Part of our message yesterday about Irwin's life was the simplicity of his life. He wasn't highly educated. I think he functioned somewhere between a six and a ten-year-old. But those that met him loved him. And you could see the joy in his life. If you look at his pictures, you could see the smiles and just the simplicity of the things that would make him happy. And yet, in our sophisticated world, we need more and more to make us happy, or we need this to make us happy, or that to make us happy. But God says that he uses the base things of the world and the things which are despised. You know, many, many years ago, when Erwin was a young child, Northern Center up there, they used to, uh, it was a place for unwed mothers too, because people were ashamed and they would put their children there. If they had a child with developmental disabilities, they were embarrassed and it was sort of the stigma in this community and, and so they would hide their children there. And sometimes families, when I was working there, families years later didn't even know that they had a, a brother or sister that was there. We despise a lot of things in this world, but we need to understand that God is working through those things. God has chosen in the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. See, God's really not impressed with who we are. We work hard for our life, and I would say that, that we can take pride in accomplishments that we do. I mean, if we do a, a job well done, we can take some pride in that. But it's not a pride that supersedes what God has done, because nothing that we really do in this world impresses God. It's not like you say, oh, wow, I really didn't expect that out of Pastor Craig. No. The only things that bring joy to him are the things that we do in the Lord. And it says, not many wise, not, uh, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen again the foolish things to put to shame the wise. What things do you put your trust in? What things do you think maybe that you're even fooling God with in your life? We sort of think like, like the little child, you know, you can have that that little baby in front of you, and you close your eyes like you can't see him, and they think, you know, oh, nobody can see me. I got my eyes covered. We treat our Christianity that way sometimes. We walk around like God doesn't see us after we leave church. 
Or God doesn't see us when we're alone in our car. Or God doesn't see us when we're at this place or that place. But God sees us at all times. God knows all things. He knows our heart. He knows our intentions. If you want to turn over to Luke, the 14th chapter, I want to tell you that the Lord has invited you. Remember the, the beginning of these verses was what? He has chosen, right? It tells us, see your calling brethren. If you are sitting here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God has called you for a purpose and a reason. God has invited you to be part of his program. And God has a universal call on the lives of people. And when we read in Luke 14 here, and we're going to start at um, verse 15. And this is the parable of the Great Supper. And this is Jesus that is giving us a glimpse of God in the world. In what he does. And how we respond to these things. And in our lives, many times, we make excuses why we cannot do things. But I want, I want to read this. In Luke 14, starting at verse 15, it says, Now when uh, those who sat at the table with Jesus heard him, uh, heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. We all look forward to that day, someday when we're going to be in the presence of God eating at his table. We talk about that. He's got a place for us, for his believers that he's called. But listen to what Jesus says. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent a service servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. I remember when I was a young child, I'd go out and play and and all of a sudden I'd hear grandma or mom, you know, yell out the window, you know, come home, time for supper, it's ready. Julie still does that when she's got things ready to eat, no matter where we are. Come on, it's time to eat, everything's ready, it's on the table. Well, Jesus is talking about this, this person who is calling out these servants saying, come on now, it's ready, it's time, it's here. He had invited many. It says, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited. So these people were invited. You ready to come to dinner? It's now time. But they, with all one accord, began to make excuses. You ever hear that from a child? Oh, can I just finish watching my show? Yeah, I, I will in a minute. We're just about done with this game. Well, I just got a little bit more here to do, and then maybe. It says, they all began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask that I could be excused. He had bought something in the world, and he needed to go look at it at this time. And so he says, please excuse me. I, I, I can't come for this feast. Another said, I have bought in five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. All these people are making excuses. These aren't really reasons because these things could have been done at any other time. Right? They could have gone and looked at the land another day. They could have tested the oxen a different time. Still another said, I have been married, or I have, a married, uh, I have married a wife. And therefore I cannot come. 
We all know that our spouses take up our attention too at times, right? And he says, I'm married. I, I, just, I just can't come. Don't have the wife's permission. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and into the lanes and into the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, and the lame and the blind. We're not going to waste this meal. Go on out and gather those that are hungry, that have need. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and still there is room. So we know that a lot of these people were coming now to the call of the master. But there was still room. And so what does he say? He said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper. We can look at a lot of things, a lot of parallels to this. We can look at Jesus came for the Jews first and the Gentiles were incorporated in. We can compare this to when God calls. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Are you making excuses on Jesus' call in your life? Maybe it's a call to obedience. Maybe it's a call to a change. Maybe it's a call to uh, do something different than what you're doing. I believe that as we are chosen of God and as we are called of God, and as he has told us in his word, you see your calling, brethren. Are we being obedient to what God has called us to do? Or are we making an excuse? Or what is your excuse? His purpose is explained. God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. See, we can stay and, and get busy in our own things and, and mount up our accomplishments and put our trophies in our, in our you know, mantle and we can list off everything that we've done, but it tells us in the end times that these are all going to burn as rubble if they have not been done for the glory of God. God has created us for a purpose. He has created us for this, to be obedient to his word. His word is the final period at the end of every sentence of a believer's life. Some people will say, I'm a Christian, but you know when I read this, I really don't agree with it. Really. There's a lot of things I read in the Bible that I would say ruffle my feathers because it convicts me of things and it makes me have to change something in my life. It's not always pleasant, but guess what? I know that it's right. And I've said time and time again, when I'm in conflict with God's word, I understand that it's God's word that's right and that I am wrong. But that doesn't stop people from walking in disobedience to God. When we see what it is that he has for us, we need to embrace it. If he has called you to it, he's going to empower you to see it through. That's the only place that we really find peace in our life, is when we are where God would have us at that moment, to be in his will. We look at the world today and it is so messed up and we see all this distraught, we see all this anxiety, we see all this anger that is going on. 
and we wonder why. And I would say it's because God is not at the center of these situations. We live in a broken world. We live in a sinful world. Yes, there are things that are wrong. There are things that are done wrong. But do we put our trust and our hope in Christ? Do we continue to walk in his ways? Are we as believers being examples to those that are around us? And an example doesn't just mean being quiet and hiding in our house or being in a corner. No, in our life that we live, are we being an example to those around us? Are we being obedient to God's word or are we trying to fit God's word into our thoughts and our ways? One of the most dangerous things a Christian can do is have a point of view and then go search the scriptures to back up his point of view. As believers, we are to read the word of God and develop our point of view. So it's in line with God's point of view. So he's created us to be obedient to his word. He has created us to glorify him in word and deed. In the things that we say, in the things that we do. Have you checked yourself lately? And how you talk and how you act and how you respond to others. And, and I'll tell you this from self-experience. You can be walking a, a good life. You can be being a good example. And it can just take a moment, a wrong word, a wrong action, to tarnish that testimony. And it takes a long time to build that little section back. Right? You can say some hurtful words and they'll stick with people a long time. You can tell them a million good words, but all of a sudden in, in a weak moment or in a, a moment of, of sin, you say something that is wrong or you say something that is harsh and say something that is, is undeserved, and that's going to stick with somebody a long time. So he wants us to be glorifying him in our words and in our deeds and might I also say in our mind. Because some of the self-righteous would say that, well, I don't speak this way, but I get those words in my head. I remember when the Lord convicted me of that a long time ago, and, and before I was a Christian, my mouth wasn't really bad. I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't swear a whole lot anyways. But when I got saved, it, that was something that went away from me fairly easy. But you know what I found? Is I would think those words from time to time. And God said that he wanted to transform my mind, to renew my thinking. That he wanted to get rid of that also. It wasn't just good enough that I wasn't saying it or wasn't doing these things. He wanted to rid my mind of those things. Because Jesus said that, you know, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But he says, I tell you, if you look upon a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. God wants to clean us up from the inside. He wants us to glorify him in word and in deed, in our actions. Because the Bible also tells us that the issues of the heart proceed out of our mouth and our actions. See, we're pretty good at, at cleaning up the outside as walking like the little tin soldiers of Jesus. But really, when we come to crisis times, when we come to hard times, the, the things that are inside really tend to penetrate them their way out. Are you glorifying God in word and deed?
Has he really been purifying your heart in the things you are doing? Or are you making excuses why you can't do what it is that God would have you to do? We have a rebellious spirit in us just as, as the nature of, of humans. That's what you're seeing in the world today. You're just seeing rebellion here and there. You're seeing anger here and there. By nature, I would say that, that humans are angry people. They're rebellious people. But as Christians, are we that way? And the third thing that I've marked down is that he wants us to love others as he has loved us. Now that's a big chunk. I worked with a man in the prison one time, and he's been transferred out now to another facility. But he came to one of my leadership classes. And as we were talking about things, there was another man that was a part of our choir that he was talking about, and he says, I wrote him off a long time ago. I said, what do you mean you wrote him off? Well, we had some disagreement, you know, and I can't even remember what it was, but when that bridge is burned, it's burned. And I don't know what, what this guy in the choir was like 18, this is, like 18 years had passed, I think, since this incident. But I ended up talking with this guy, and especially through our leadership class, because how can you be a leader if you continue to harbor these things? How can you be a Christian leader, especially if you continue to, to, to have these things? And as we talked about it, he went and he ended up going and talking with this other guy, and, you know, and they became good friends. They couldn't even remember what they were arguing about. And the guy in the choir, he had no hard feelings against this other guy, but this other guy did. God has called us to love as he has loved us. I am so thankful that God doesn't, you know, change his love for me dependent upon something that I've done. Oh, man, I made a mistake today. Oh, I don't love you as much as I used to. No, God says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were dead in our transgressions, as we were dead in our sins, he loved us enough and he went to the cross to die for any that would come to him. That any that would receive his grace. It wasn't by my righteousness, it wasn't by my works, it wasn't by me saying I'm going to change this in my life, I'm not going to talk this way anymore, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to pick up a Bible, I'm going to go to church, and, and now God, you have to love me because here I am. No. It says why I was a sinner, why I was in rebellion against him, he loved me. When he hung upon the cross, he looked down and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the love of God. And he tells us to love others that way. Well, I tell you what. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You good to me, I'll be good to you. Sound like sort of an Italian mafia, right? You be good to me, I'll be good to you. Yeah. No. He tells us to love those who persecute us, who hate us. To reach out to those that are undeserving of love with the love of Christ. Because I don't deserve the love of Christ. But in his grace and in his mercy and in all of his attributes that he has, he has reached out to love me. Is God speaking to your heart today? 
Hebrews says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do you see that opportunity? Do you see that, that, that are you going to make that excuse? If you hear his voice today, if he is speaking to you through his word today, do not harden your hearts. Don't make an excuse. Because when we make an excuse, it gets easier and easier and easier, just like any bad habit in our life. The first time somebody steals something, it's sort of hard. They're convicted. They feel bad. But as they continue on, it gets easier and easier and easier. Same with lying. Maybe the first time you lied, you you realized, oh, man, I feel bad about that. But then it got easier and easier and easier. And you can apply that to any sin in your life. When you first do it, there's probably some guilt and some shame. But as you continue to make an excuse and justify that position, it gets easier and easier and easier. And so when we read the Word of God, when we hear the Word of God, when we are in prayer and He's speaking to our heart, He says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, but respond to Him. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever it is that you have. We closed last week with this scripture, and I want to close with it again because I think it's a a great scripture for us. Great are your tender mercies. The mercies of God are great in our life. We should never take these things for granted. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Some of you might be believers, but you're feeling like you're dead. You're feeling like you're defeated. You're feeling like, man, I just, I don't have that spark. I'm not walking in the victory that God would have me to walk in. I'm not feeling his joy or his peace in my life. Well, it's because some of us are harboring sin in our life. Some of us are hanging on to that sin tighter than we're hanging on to God's word. And so the psalmist is saying, revive me according to your judgments, according to your word, according to your precepts. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I'm going to trust in your word. He tells us in in 1 John that he's faithful and just. When we have sinned against God, if we find ourselves in a position that we don't belong in, it says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins when we repent of those things. He says, I will not turn from your testimonies. Are you willing to stand on the word of God? Are you willing to follow him where he leads? I see the treacherous and am disgusted because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. This guy is saying, I love your word. The scriptures give a a hard teaching. It says, if you do not love me more than these, and he goes on to list all sorts of things. If you do not love me more than, than, than this and this and this and this, where is God in your, in your love barometer? Have you forsaken all to give to him? That doesn't mean he wants to strip everything away from you, but he wants to know that he is first in your life. The test is this, is are you willing to give up whatever it is that he asks for you to give up to follow him? Rich running ruler came up and says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus sort of said, do these things. He says, I've done all those things. He says, one other thing. Go and sell all you have and come follow me. 
Well, some preach wrong on that and say, well, that means that we've got to get rid of everything in our life in order to follow. That's not it. What he was doing is he was looking at that man and said, I see something that is between you and I that needs to go. It may be riches. It may be an addiction. It may be a habit. Whatever it is, God is speaking to you about it. If it's between you and him, he's going to say, get rid of that and come follow me. How I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The entirety of your word is truth. The entirety of your word. God's word is not a smorgasbord where we come and pick and choose and say, well, I can do this because the Bible doesn't say this. Or I can do this because the Bible says I can. We take the Bible as a whole. The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Princes persecute me without a cause. But my heart stands in awe of your word. Can you say that? Does your heart stand in awe of God's word? I rejoice at your word as one who finds a great treasure. I hate in a bore line, but I love your law. Question is, is are we willing to change? Or are you going to continue down that same old, same old path? The Bible tells us many times, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Is your life mocking God? We have a false sense of security sometimes because we feel because we say a certain thing or act a certain way that God is going to incorporate us. But he says that we need to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind, that we need to believe that he is who he says that he is. And when we truly believe who God is, it's going to change the way that we are. The world today, there's many that say, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. But they're walking the way of the world, and they're walking in the paths of Satan. And they call themselves Christians. The word Christian means Christ follower. Are you a Christ follower? Because that is the test that God has for us. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you even for the conviction of your word in our life. And Lord, we pray that even though it makes us uncomfortable at times, and though it can just upset our lives, because we are happy where we're at. We like doing what we like to do when we want to do it and how we want to do it. But yet, Lord, you may have a different calling on our life. You may have a different plan. There are changes that I believe that you want to do in each and every one of our lives. Are we heeding your voice? Are we listening to you? Lord, help us not to walk in disobedience to your word. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to be led by your Spirit. And Lord, again, we know that all these things are in agreement with one another. Help us to love you, Lord, more than these. These things that are holding us down, these things that are weighting us down, these things that we have fooled ourselves into believing will bring us joy and happiness. Because, Lord, this world is fleeting. It's but a vapor. And the day is going to come when everyone is going to kneel before you. And Lord, we want to stand in the salvation that you have given us. Our eternal life is now, if we are believers, and even in the prayer, 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are we living that way now? It would be our prayer, Lord, that we are. So, Lord, lead us and guide us according to your word. And, Lord, help us to be an example to those around us. We thank you, Lord, and praise you and give you the glory for all who we are in you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.